It's been a while. We haven't done one of these in forever, have we? It's been almost over a month. I th- either over a month or right at it. It's it's been a hectic uh, time of year for both of us. That's for sure. Yeah. The reason, uh, like like you just said, we've been super busy, and uh, we're both teaching a high school where we live. We both work. I started my graduate class for this semester, and Evan's given a bunch of lessons, so we haven't exactly had as much time to do this as we would have liked. But Technically, we don't even really have time to do it right now, but we're making it work. Yeah, if you've noticed, we probably sound a little different. I am at my house, and Evan is at his house. We finally figured out uh, and got set up how to record remotely, which I'm excited about because it's going to let us record with a wider range of guests that don't really live within driving distance. Like um, our friend Dan Shacks up in Delaware, Travis Peterman's on the East Coast. Know some people out in California we could have on, so I think it could open up a lot of doors. And obviously, if the audio is not perfect for this one, we're still tweaking things and trying to get the settings the way we want them, and blah blah blah. So, yeah, dude, I'm ex- I'm excited just because it makes it easier on us. We can probably do them more frequently. Uh, if there's something that pops up, we don't have to be like, oh man, we live an hour away. We'll have to wait till the next time we get together. We just be like, hey, you got 30 minutes call me up and we'll just like talk about it and then get it out there. Yep. It'll be good. Now that I think about it, I might've just figured out how to fix my voice. It's about the same. Hello. 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 Is it getting, Oh, fixed it. There we go. Perfect. So you don't have to be like a hunchback. Yep. What was the last thing you just said? Uh, we can, if something pops up, we can do it more frequently now and not have to like try to wait to get together on the weekend. We can just call each other up and be like, hey, this happened. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome way to just expand the scope of what this podcast offers to the listeners. So before we continue, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast with your host, Mike Fantini, and as always, Evan Worrell. Yep. We're back with another episode. We have not disappeared. We just, uh, as we said earlier, we're just been real busy. And a lot has happened over the next, over the last few weeks in drum corps. A lot of staff changes, um, the symbol line controversy that was going around all over the internet, which we're going to talk about. So, which it's one do pretty you... much already dead though at this point, which is, I know, already. I know. The only groups that said they were going to... Well, I guess we'll start with that. So if you didn't know, the Crossmen and wasn't it a couple other lower cores? Announced? I, think the Man- I think the Mandarins also said they weren't going to have one. Okay, I believe. So, I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Yeah, so basically two cores came out, said, we're getting rid of our symbol lines. And if they would have just come out and said the reason was that we just didn't want to have them anymore, I feel like there would have been less backlash. I, well, I don't know. Really hard to say in hindsight what would have happened, but I think that the most ridiculous part about it is that people are being completely irrational in some of the references or, I don't know, things that they were talking about. The I don't want to say importance because it is important, but they just weren't looking at it from an overall perspective, I feel like. And I was just like people making allegations like, oh, cutting the symbol line is the exact same as cutting the scv snare line i'm like well it's actually not the same that's pretty different and no one's gonna take you seriously after you read that yeah <laughs> but 
it just seems like a lot of overreacting. Symbol lines have been fading slowly but surely over the Especially past Especially in decades. the outdoor activity. Yeah, they're a big integral part of the indoor activity, but... Well, they add so much visually and indoor, and it gives you more numbers to work with from a drill perspective. Sure. And then I think a lot of people were, and understandably so, like, oh, these, these symbol players aren't are not going to be able to have the same experience that I had, which is true. But it's kind of like, in my opinion, you can't please everybody. Those five, four, five, six symbol spots are giving symbol player spots, but they're also taking away from either the guard or the pit or the horn line. So some horn line member, if you're only taking X number of horn line because you have symbols, the person who's one out, he's missing out on that yep. when he maybe would have got in if there was a couple extra spots. So really it's always going to be somebody on the outside looking in. Some of the stuff was just like completely ridiculous that I was reading. I was like, Oh, symbol or just as much as a visual part of the ensemble as the color guard. And I was like, well, not no, really. No, they're not. I, I mean, don't you think can't it's compare those. Not you can't, com- you can't compare those things. No. But yeah. And the way the crossmen handled it, didn't they try and say like they there wasn't enough staff out there to give the members a good enough experience? Yeah, something along the lines of like, hey, we don't have staff that can teach, which may be true, maybe not. I'm sure people out there be like, oh, there's plenty of people that can teach the symbol line, but maybe there weren't. I actually heard that they almost didn't have a symbol line. It was either for the 2018 or the 2017 summer anyway, because a couple of the members quit like a week before move-ins and they couldn't fill it. So they're about to cut it then. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'm being naive or I heard, I saw some posts of, people that have been around the block a few times on social media just saying if you think you can recreate the sound of a cymbal line in the front ensemble you're not listening very closely what do you think about that i mean it's gonna be different it's a different timbre but when i was watching the crossman warm up in finals lot i didn't notice a cymbal line at all i forgot they even had one and Part of that's probably just me like being very toned in and listening to other sections mm-hmm. that I was a part of of myself. Sure. But at the same time, I was thinking back, I was like, man, I do not remember them having a symbol on. And then I, after this all happened, I was getting on YouTube, and there was a video of a Crossman symbol line from like, I don't know, 2014, 15, some year. It was like a two-minute long video, and I swear for like a, a minute and 30 seconds of it, they didn't play anything. They were just doing visuals. I was like, well – I don't know. I don't know. Like, you, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But like yeah, you said, people yeah. are just somewhat of an overreaction. Um, not to take anything away from those people. It's great. It's awesome. Do your thing. You're getting an experience and getting to be a part of this activity. I truly get that. That's why I did it. I want to be a part of the activity. But it sucks. If you want to march symbols, there's still some other groups that have symbols. It's gonna make those spots definitely more competitive for sure uh but there's still the opportunity in some groups so i think you're right so i think that's all we really need to say about that just mountain it happened yeah it's already over people move on 
It'll be okay. I was actually texting somebody about it. I was like, well, at least the symbol controversy kind of went away. And he's like, yeah, nothing lasts more than a week in the new like social media craze where like, what's the next thing? What's the That's next for thing? Sure. That's for sure. And speaking of the next things, let's jump into these staff changes. So the first one I saw was that Josh Brickey is no longer the battery coordinator for the Crossman. And I don't think they've announced who the new one is, have they? Uh, to my knowledge, they have not made it public. I know who it's going to be, but I'm not going to. Yeah, let's. I'm not going to. I'm that. not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to bust the Crossman's timeline of when or how or yeah. who or they want to announce their staff changes. I'm not going to be. Yeah. I'm not going to blow up that spot. Um, it's a good choice. But that's that's on them, and I'll let them them tackle that. Yes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. So I can't imagine Josh was pushed out like he wasn't doing a good enough job or anything like that. It had to be just for personal reasons. No, I think that he just wanted to like to pursue some other um, avenues of the activity, whether it's yeah. like high school or I know he's doing a lot more arranging and design mm-hmm. stuff uh, these days, both indoor and in the fall season with marching band and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. That mean. There's no way. I mean, the Crossman, the battery got better. Every single there, he was there for the four-year span. Was it four? Uh, I'm not sure the years, but yeah, something along those lines. And if you look at the achievement caption of, so you have like obviously content and achievement and the yeah. percussion, like the the achievement section box of the the score sheet was probably some of the higher placing of the core those years. So yeah. obviously they were maxing out and doing well with the, uh, the vehicle that they were given in the, the mm-hmm. book and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. That one, I agree. It's just gotta be personal reasons and pursuing other things. So moving on from that one, the Madison scouts parted ways with James Sparling and friends. Um, I'm not Dude, really that surprised. Was, that was all really interesting. Like what that stuff, cause basically the scouts and Phantom did kind of like a flip flop, which is uh, interesting. So James isn't no longer at the scouts. He's at Phantom as a percussion. What the the phrase that they used was funny. Hold on, let me find it. Uh, he is there as an ensemble specialist. I was like, what? I've never heard. I've never heard that one before. Which who knows what that means? Every group has a different meaning for what they call their caption head or their battery yeah. tech or their coordinator or whatever. But basically, James is at Phantom now, and the guys who were at Phantom, like Derek Shannon, are at Madison Scouts now. Did did Rob Ferguson make the jump to Scouts from Phantom? Oh no, I'm Rob is definitely still writing and arranging at Phantom. Okay. Uh, so James was arranging at, at Scouts, but yeah. now I, I'm assuming, and I don't I don't know this just because. I'm not sure what the role is going to be is that he's going to be more of a battery caption head, like helping set the technique and the approach to the drum and dealing with like the tech staff and like cleaning and which I'm kind of excited about because I feel like we know he's good at that. Yeah. He's really good at that. Like he was at cadets there in like the 2000, I want to say like, 10 11 12 yeah those were the years around air range somewhere around there somewhere around there yeah and they were nasty and played really well and his uh idea or philosophy and approach to the drum i feel like will do well with rob's writing to kind of help 
crystal crystallize that or i don't know what clarify some of that because a lot of rob's writing and the texts that were there they didn't play tap heights i'll just say that they didn't play taps and i know james is all about that yep so i think it's gonna i think that good i think it'll help yeah so the derek shannon and the other guy whose name escapes me took over at scouts and james is at um phantom now as some kind of battery overseer or whatever you want to call it Who's writing the, at Scouts now? Derek Shannon and friends, or yeah, else? Derek is gonna be the arranger slash. I don't know. He's gonna write the book. Um, I'm not sure if that means high school and or high school. That means front ensemble <laughs> and battery. I don't know why I said high school. That's because yeah. I was reading his bio and the first word that was in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I know he also writes for like Legacy, who coincidentally just changed names also. Yeah. Indoor. Um, yeah, and then Chris Murphy is the guy on the website. Maybe he's writing the front ensemble book. But yeah, they're, those two dudes, I guess, are going to be heading up the new Madison Scouts percussion. It's interesting, some of these choices that are being made. Um, they're definitely bold, but only time will tell how they're going to play out. I think, just based on seeing Phantom a lot in Scouts last year, I think Phantom won this trade because, like we said, James is really good at cleaning a battery. Yeah, for sure. The writing, albeit a little too hard at Phantom from Rob the last couple years, James's expertise in cleaning and running a battery section is going to lend itself to a higher level of achievement. I think Phantom's going to have a much cleaner year next summer because of this swap. Even if the arranger hasn't changed, he's just going to do a really good job at what he knows how to do. Yeah. And I think it's going to like lend Rob just an extra avenue of a very experienced person to give him quality feedback on what the book is even before it hits the kid's hands. Like, Hey, this, maybe we should check out this, you know, like, Maybe we should not have all vertical alignment in the right. Maybe we should. Maybe we shouldn't have fifteen quads. That sort of thing. <laughs> uh, especially since James is a quad drummer, he'd probably be like, mm, "This isn't going to work." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he definitely would have raised a red flag on that one. But so that's pretty much our opinions on that. Let's move on to the blue stars. This is one that really surprised me, dude. Yeah, I yeah. And I I take this one, I think, close to the heart, too, just because I love Eric. I don't know Eric super well, but I know him, and I've talked to him, and we've had conversations, and he's just, like, a great dude, and I feel like did a solid job in the time that he was there with what he was given. Um, Yes, because your talent is limited, being that they do all their camps and recruiting primarily – in the Midwest, even though they have a Texas audition now, they have a California audition because most of their staff is out in Cali. The top level talent gets cannibalized by blue coats in the Midwest. BD blue Vanguard. coats even have a like a West Coast camp. Yeah, but I don't know. To me, I mean, Aaron Bailey and I were talking about this because we realized because he marched Blue Stars in twenty. 14 or 13 i think it was one of those two but he marched there and so did i in 2010 we had the 
still to date highest placing finish and potentially end of season drum score of any year. But the difference was these lines that Shriver had were way better than us. Like the percussion sections of the Blue Stars of the last or the Shriver era were better than 2010 or anything before that. But the average level of the activity has risen so high, we would have been like 11th or 12th place if if the, if the bar was as high as it is now back in 2010. We finished seventh in drums, and I would go back and watch videos, and I was just kind of think how we weren't that good. We weren't bad. <laughs> who was seventh? Who was seventh this year? It's like cadets uh, or something. <laughs> yeah, and ha- look how good they were. Infinitely better than us. So I really hope it wasn't like, um, well, you guys aren't finishing high enough. But even though the quality is way higher than it was in any years before that, which is why it just surprised me. You have to be elite like truly elite to finish top eight in percussion nowadays yeah the top eight is cutthroat as get out and on top of that it's not like their section was underachieving more than other sections in the core either like you look at the ordinals across the across the recap and you're like i mean they're basically on par with the rest of the core pretty much um maybe slightly like a placement or so below but I don't know. It just it didn't make sense to me and for them to go a new direction if that was their decision to be like, hey, we're gonna cut ties or basically give them an ultimatum of we want this unless you do this sort of thing. Yeah. And then to bring in the staff that they did, I was like, I don't know any of these dudes. Uh, I know the one guy I worked with like RCC is like a caption had this winner. I don't know. We'll see. I, They're all West Coast goods dudes still, right? Yeah, I think mo- the majority of them are still all West Coast, which is also like, hey, like we basically traded what we had for something else, but also less kind of in my mind. I don't know. They're probably less known than Shriver and his team. And they're going to have the same recruiting problem they did under Shriver. It's a bunch of West Coast guys recruiting for a Midwest core. And Yeah, this dude, like it said he was the v- caption head at RCC. It's like, well, that's cool, but you're not going to get the dudes from RCC. They're all still going to go March BD or Bluecoats or Vanguard. Like, yeah, that's it. It's just not going to help. And you're going to yeah. have the same kids. And who knows? Maybe these guys will get the talent level you're still going to get to rise to the occasion and start beating some people. But I think it's going to be the same or worse. <laughs> Possibly. Dude, it's, uh, it's definitely a bold strategy. I've been throwing out that meme of Jason Bateman from Dodgeball a lot lately, mm-hmm. being like, what's well, a bold strategy, Cotton? We'll see how it plays out for him. Yeah. It's just... Ugh. I don't that know. just confused confused me to no end, that they would I was surprised, push too, them I out. Like, I feel like some of these groups, they were making changes or adjustments to their percussion staff and were going to maybe like shoot for, I don't know, bring in some other people like out of retirement to like, Hey, we'll throw some cash. If you're willing to jump back in the ring here, yeah, like a Brett Coon or my biggest wish, which I don't think will ever happen. Cause he doesn't need to is that Jim Casella would come arrange for drum corps again because I love Jim Casella's arranging. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Definitely so very, much. very good. But he's got, I mean, he's, yeah, he doesn't need drum corps, but I feel like drum corps needs him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, the fact is, as everybody gets older, they have to make more money. And 
There's not a lot of money in drum corps except for a small handful of people that are lucky it's enough. Not, it's definitely not the tech staff. I can tell you that. No, if you're a tech, you're not making anything. Gosh, I was talking to some people that I've marched with when we were at DCI finals about what they made this summer teaching. I was just shaking my head like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> how, how did you afford to feed yourself? Yeah, basically. It's That's dumb. definitely a, for a love of the game mentality. Yes. So if you ever, if anybody listening out there is ever marching, uh, and, uh, you feel like your texts are grounded on you, just, just go with it. Cause they're not out there to make money. They're just out there to help you. <laughs> yep. Yep. They're not making a lot. So, so I think that's all I wanted to say about that. I talked about Blue Stars, Crossman, Phantom, Scouts. Were that Those w- are the major ones. There's been some rumors floating around that are funny. Uh, like I heard the rumor that Mac was leaving Cavaliers to go to BD. Yeah, I heard that too. I, it, it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense because I mean, Mac is an arranger and he arranges and composes and he loves to do the battery and all that. And he may even do some of the front ensemble. I don't know. But if he would be going to BD, he definitely wouldn't be arranging because that position of Scott Johnson, like him replacing Scott, because Scott's been there for ever. Yep. I his mean, years that is have not to be numbered. Yeah, his his years are getting close, I'm sure. But Scott doesn't do the arranging there. I mean, he may write some of the moments here and there, but Dave Glide still does the major- majority yep. of it. So. Yep. And but the only reason it does make sense is because Mac did march at blue Devils, so he is a blue devil so i get that but maybe if scott johnson leaves that is somebody who would step into that role and because Uh, because mac is so good at arranging yeah maybe the guy that the horn arranger who does write the battery parts might just say we'll make this part of the deal to get you to come over maybe to sweeten the pot a little bit yeah but yep it could be but obviously to the blue devils have a set up in a process that they do that clearly works yep. <laughs> pretty well. Yes, it does. So. Some years better than others, but it definitely gets the job done. They're always in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you want to shift gears a little bit since we've touched on all the staff changes we've heard about it to this point? Yeah, we kind of played catch up on the social media game, I guess. Yeah, right. So let's... Yes, Yesterday, actually, was the first BOA regional of the BOA competitive season. And you watched a lot of it on the stream. The high school I work with went and competed and finished, I think, eighth in finals, which is pretty solid. So we had a pretty good day. But what did you tell me earlier? when Because you, you got to catch the last few groups of the Texas Regional, right? Yeah, so I, I watched intermittently throughout the day. I was also teaching my group. But I was able – we got rained out. So I was able to make it back home and watch um, from – you guys went on first yeah. in finals at the Oxford Regional Unfortunately. in Miami. Um, well, first out of 10, surely judges can get it right. Yeah. But I watched pretty much all those groups, the top 10 there. And then I switched over and watched the last like four groups go in the Texas Regional where Claudia Taylor-Johnson was there. And – after I switched over, so Carmel was the last group, which has a phenomenal high school band program. So Carmel was the last group that went on uh, at the Oxford Regional. And I was like, oh, yeah, they were good. And I switched over and watched the Texas schools. And I was like, is this even the same activity? Because they are just so much better. Huh. 
they just I it was just like it was unreal to me. I was like, I can't believe what I'm witnessing right now. Yeah, that's what struck me being at the regional, seeing other groups warm up and even well-known groups from this region and in the BOA circuit. And we don't compete in BOA every few years. We just go to the we just go to the regional to give the kids the experience. So we had fun, but what I noticed, like the quality of percussion programs at the Oxford regional was not anything special. Like Carmel has a ton of money. They're an army of a band and an army of a percussion section, uh, relatively speaking in the high school arena, but it just didn't impress me. I was like, there's only six weeks left in the competitive season, maybe seven or eight for BOA. I don't know. And I just expected more like Centerville was pretty good. I mean, Tim Fairbanks, Josh Bricky, and I think Mike Cavanaugh run that ship and they were pretty impressive, but I, I really didn't get to see Carmel. How were they on the stream? Carmel was good. Uh, they played well, but at the same time, like I was watching, I was like, yeah, this just seems pretty, I don't want to say stock, but pretty average for like, I was like, yeah, this is a good high school. Yeah. And then I switched over and watched a group called Seven Lakes High School in Texas. And then I watched Claudia Taylor Johnson. And I swear, Claudia Taylor Johnson had the hardest high school drill I've ever seen on a marching <laughs> band, like in high school. I was like, these kids are absolutely running. And the band is huge, like enormous. And they're just taking up the whole field. The drum line is playing. They're playing like crescendo triplet rolls. And I'm just like, I can hear that. I can hear the quality through the stream right now. Like, that's insane. And I was just like, yeah, the demand and what they're asking those kids to do is not not even close. I feel like Texas should just – if they started to pump out more, like, high school indoor lines, they would compete with, like, Chino Hills regularly. Yeah. It's, like, on that level of quality and also content. Um, they do – a contest in Texas called like those drumline battles. I know they do one every year. It's called like dripping Springs mm -hmm. drumline, blah, blah, blah. You can YouTube it, but the groups that are playing at that, it's like mid September and they're coming out and just nailing stuff. Jeez. And it's hard. It's, it's impressive. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Watching <laughs> a bunch of little high school kids throw down. Yeah. It just, I, it makes me sad that the Midwest is so far behind other areas of the country because there's really no reason it's just the culture it's just culture yeah yeah it's the culture is just completely different i don't know do you mean when you say the culture from a work ethic standpoint or is it just uh i think some of it is socioeconomic i mean because for every for every phenomenal texas band that you see there's also parts of texas that are similar to an Eastern Kentucky where it's not as affluent in their yeah. financial ability as programs. I mean, we see the Mecca like Chino Hills and then Ayala and Arcadia. Those are like the Mecca groups of uh, California, but I'm sure there's groups there too that struggle that have small programs that don't get to march seven snares, four quads and five bases that are on a similar size to what we see around here, a uh, four, two and five. I mean, but we don't see those groups because why would we? We don't live there. We don't work there. We don't teach there. We just see the the cream of the crop that gets brought to the social media or the 
YouTube light. So yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just they have the money to have all the nice equipment, pay as many staff members as they need to be as successful as they possibly can, and that's the result. They're just really. And you got to you got to think too. Like if you're thinking in terms of BOA, they have four classes: like A, two A, three A, four A. There's only like two high schools in the entire state of Kentucky that would qualify as a 4A size band by BOA standards. BOA is school size, right? It's school size, but they only use 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, so sophomore through junior. And you have to have more than 1,750, I believe is the number, in those three grades. And there's only like two schools in this state that would even be big enough to do that. So here you have like all the Texas schools where most of them compete in that higher class because they have – 4,000 kids that go to one high school where here, if you have 2,000 in all four grades, you're considered large. Yeah. So it's just different. Yep. Kentucky is very much a uh, a mecca of the small band. I'll say that. like We crank out small quality bands rather than quality big bands. Yeah. It was good to see that we, a Kentucky band, did hang in the top 10 like there were two they, russell county they, they finished um, fifth overall at that region. yeah russell county got fifth we got eighth there were a couple other smaller schools from kentucky that were there that didn't make finals uh south oldham high school christian bourbon academy county. of louisville bourbon county but bourbon county won 1a so it's one example of a small band doing their thing although well, like well like a dare county when they go when a dare county goes to boa grand nationals they have won class 1A multiple times because they're yeah. a really good small band. Yep. It's good stuff. But it's just different. Yep. All right. Well, I think we touched on everything we wanted to today, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. It's short, well, short and sweet kind of. <laughs> yeah, short and sweet. Just be about a little under 30 minutes, so not too long of a listen for anyone. But we'll and, go ahead. Anna, and... gave, Anna gave us the opportunity to kind of test out this uh, remote. Yeah. We'll be definitely taking advantage of this uh, in the near future when it comes to having guests on. Uh, I think we'll talk to Dan Shack. I think, first and see if we can call him in and do one. So I guess we'll just close this out now. Um, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, follow on Podbean, and that reminds me, we're still, or I'm still trying to get the iTunes stuff situated. I've got some time this week. I'm going to try to either have to call Apple or whatever to find a workaround to get us on podcast services on iTunes. So that's still in the works. Um, Obviously, we've hooked up remote recording to have more interesting guests in the future. So yeah, subscribe to YouTube, follow on Podbean, um, Instagram, Facebook. It's all just Aged Out Podcast, and it'll come right up. And we will be back in a couple weeks with the next episode. Yep, for sure, man. You got you got to say peace. Peace. <laughs> Perfect.